And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonable Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me, as usual, Eric Green. Eric, what's up, man? That was one of the most like downcast intros you've uh, you've given. As usual, whatever. Who cares? It's Eric. Well, you know, this is I... uh, you were on and off the podcast a little bit during the off season, so. There's no big return now. Um, it is very, very gloomy yeah. outside today. Um, it is, as some might say, dark and chunky, which is how you could uh, describe the weather or me. Um, you know, these these weight fluctuations continue. No longer in the best shape of my life heading into training camp. <laughs> You've added 15 pounds, but not the uh, the ideal type. I have lost. Fi- I've added 15. I've lost 40. I've added 15. It's all over the place, man. It looks. If you graphed out my weight over the last year, it looks like Norman Powell's output over like his first <laughs> four and a half seasons. Um, well, in brighter news, I know we don't usually do this, Blake, but uh, one of our most loyal listeners is celebrating a birthday on uh, Tuesday, which is when many of you people will be listening to this. Uh, that is Walter Gibby Corrine. Uh, oh. He turns five unofficially on Tuesday. Uh, we don't know what his actual birthday is, but we've guesstimated it's December 1st based on some information. He's He's been in here to, to listen to almost every podcast, and uh, he, I predict, will celebrate by napping. Yeah, uh, Coco is not allowed in here when I'm podcasting, because if someone knocks on the door or someone takes the garbages out or something, he'll bark. And that would make for bad podcasting. But Or hilarious podcasting. Yes. Uh, a couple other birthdays right now, too. Uh, Monday, the day we're recording this, not the day you're listening to this, uh, friend of the podcast, Max Kerman's birthday. Kyle Dubis of the Maple Leafs had a birthday on the weekend. All sorts of Raptors-adjacent birthdays. Yeah, Raptors-adjacent birthdays. Yeah, um, as we uh, as we begin to craft the Raptors astrological chart for the 2021 <laughs> season, uh, you know this this kind of stuff is important. Eric, by the way, are, the first game of the season is supposed to be December 22nd. Are we like how awkward is it going to be to refer to this as the 2020 2021 season? Not even the fact that just saying 2020 21 is awkward yeah. in itself. Is this just the 2021 season? Is that easier? Well, as a veteran of the uh, 2011-12 NBA season that began on Christmas Day, uh, I think it will go down in the record books as 2021. Like, nobody oh. nobody looks at that after the fact I'm talking about as just the 2012 season, despite the fact it only featured seven days in the year 2011. Huh. That's interesting because I always, after the fact, refer to seasons by the year the champion was crowned. So, like, this coming season is the 2021 season. Last year was the 2020 season. Yeah, I just... The Raptors won the 2019 season. Yeah, I think that's 
like a fair way to do it. But like when you're listing, like if you're making a table about somebody's output and you're putting season, you're not just going to put 2019, you would put 2018, 19. And I think history will show that that is the same manner to which we would refer to this uh, season, but that's not the case with the 1999 season, uh, the first year after Jordan's second retirement, because they played no games in 1998. They started in January 1999 and had the 50-game season. So uh, I I think there is historical uh, precedent uh, to rule on this. And I have I have made now that I, I did not bring I did not bring this up to lean on your history at the agate desk. Um, <laughs> I was more talking like how do we refer to it on a podcast because it's awkward to say. Uh, it's like how I kept saying this summer about the off season. Yeah, uh, transition year number two. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, there is a basketball season. We're recording this on Monday. That is the day that the Toronto Raptors players and staff who were in Toronto recently uh, are flying to Tampa. Uh, We wish them safe travels and COVID-free travels and all of that. Um, They had all been isolating in their home markets ahead of, or were supposed to be isolating. I haven't checked up on them myself. Um, In their home markets ahead of arriving in Tampa, um, they will do what's going to be called media week over the next couple days. Uh, They can only work out in small groups, no full team activities until the weekend. And then December 12th, we have our first of three Raptors preseason games. They'll play the Hornets twice in Charlotte, and then they will get to break in their new home in Tampa against the Miami Heat on the 18th. If that all sounds very soon, that's because it is very soon. Uh, The offseason lasted um, by the time... The first preseason game will be played. It will have been exactly two months since the champion was crowned, which is a quick turnaround. Uh, You also figure in that the draft was on November 18th, which is 12 days ago, (laughs) and camp starts tomorrow. So if it's felt like a lot has happened very quickly, that's because it has. Now, if you are listening to this and need some catching up, we're going to go through some of that stuff today. Um, But... If you want to read where there's a lot more content, you can check out our stuff at theathletic.com. If you're not a subscriber yet, you can go to theathletic.com slash we the six. That's the number six. You have, uh, as of Tuesday, missed the window for the $1 a month deal. But if you go to theathletic.com slash we the six, you can still get a subscription for $1 a week, which is still uh, a pretty good deal. It's like uh, two coffees a month if you're drinking the cheap stuff and one coffee a month if you're drinking the good stuff. Um coffee by the way the one local business that i support relentlessly during all i've uh i I for a while because of anxiety issues and and other issues uh had stopped drinking coffee and i've recently uh not every day but i've started again getting uh coffees from uh, my local shop a few uh a few blocks over and it's nice because they have a sort of a takeout window uh where you can just poke your head into and uh uh, so I do it on my uh, opening, my morning walk with Walter. Uh, and so shout out to Schmooze, who is not paying for this shout out, but uh, I am thankful for the coffee they provide me. Yeah. And as we head into the holiday season, I mean, this isn't really a part of the podcast, but speaking personally, uh, you know, if you care about your community and your neighborhood, do your best to support locally uh, wherever possible, whether that is getting someone a, an athletic subscription, of course. Or just choosing to, uh, you know, buy from non-monolithic corporations uh, where possible. Yeah. 
That's good. I did my best. I set out with the goal, Eric, of not getting anything off of um, the big gargantuan site uh, for yeah. Christmas shopping. <laughs> and it just came down to all. So my mom and stepdad have a small gym in their basement. Like they turned what could have been a spare bedroom into a gym. Yeah. And that's like all that they wanted for Christmas was equipment for there. And like all of the local places are like enormous lead times for any equipment because I think people have been doing like I've done and kind of stack stocking up on at home workout gear. Anyway, so I had the I failed in that regard, but I came close. Pat myself on the back here, Barry Horowitz. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it is the production, but it's also the effort to uh, to do that. And if if we had more people trying to uh, do that, we'd probably. Uh, benefit as a society as the NFL just uh, postponed the Ravens-Steelers game until Wednesday. You can suspect a lot of that in the 2020-21 yeah. NBA season, he says yeah, pessimistically. The, the, NFL, <laughs> the NFL doing this stupid I'm not touching you thing with we haven't canceled any games. You know, somehow the Ravens keep getting positive COVID tests, even though they're supposed to be in lockdown because of too many positive COVID tests. I think I saw they're up to 19 positives. <laughs> like, look, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not bringing this up because this is a, you know, please like my sport moment or something like that. But like, realistically, this is a big concern for what the NBA could look like. And obviously MLB had some... Uh, highly publicized positives that didn't get returned in time to keep a player from playing. The NFL has tiptoed around being a shit show, especially as the season's gone on and people seem to have gotten even less vigilant with things. You know, we can, from the bubble and its success and, you know, trusting the Raptors organization as they are, when it comes to this kind of stuff, you know, we can be a little bit more optimistic about the NBA side, but we're also talking about a schedule that's 72 games in a compressed window of time. There will be more games on average per week than in a normal season. Uh, they did not adjust the schedule to limit the amount of travel. In fact, on a per game basis, teams will actually be traveling more, um, at least assuming that there's not like baseball style series at any point, which there won't be because they've said that you won't play uh, team more than three times and you won't play them more in the market more than twice in the yeah, market the only thing so, they can do is have those two games at the same time back to back. Uh, yeah. yeah which has always kind of made sense to me i know it doesn't i know it's not the best thing for like national tv stuff if you get raptor celtics two nights in a row to sell that yeah. but uh but also like raptor celtics december 25th and december 28th worked so yeah, and it limit and it just functionally limits the number of times they have to fly. They have to get on a plane. Uh, yeah, I mean, look at all the data that we have on you know cumulative load and load management and where injuries come from and the toll that traveling time zones or um, just sleep deprivation and the extra inflammation from from flights. You know all that stuff. Like I've been a proponent for a while now that if a guy's sitting out, he shouldn't go on the road for a one game trip. It's just like it's an unnecessary toll, and I realize there are you know, um, like camaraderie and watching the game issues and getting your work in stuff to weigh in there. But like from a pure recovery standpoint, it doesn't seem worth it. And, and now you're going to, anyway, the compressed schedule is going to be not great for things like fatigue and cumulative load. And I'm sure you're going to see lots of guys getting back to backs off. Um, it's also not great from the COVID perspective because you're traveling more in a compressed window. And if there are positives, you are missing more games because 
um, the schedule is more compressed. So there are lots of concerns. I don't love that the NBA released their giant memo to teams that was 160 some odd pages on Saturday. No, it'll be um, fine. Everybody will absorb that uh, very yeah. well within two and a half days. Like, look, I, I don't want to belabor this too much because it's all the same talking points. Yeah, about people are sick of it, but... Except that there's not a bubble this time, yeah. and I am when you factor in, and I think it's especially so for the Raptors, not just because they're traveling to Tampa, and that county is, <laughs> is the 14-day rolling average is like 360 new cases a day right now, but it's also, there's a huge mental toll, I think, of one, you know, kind of living your life in constant concern about the pandemic as you travel around and stuff, and also these people are going to be you know, I'm sure there's going to be opportunity for family to visit and things like that because they're going to be down there for so long. But there's a lot of mental stuff that's going to be weighing on the Raptors and weighing on NBA players in general. So um, not to have these conversations all over again, but maybe just keep that in mind. Um, you know, the next time a guy goes three for for 15 from the field and you get really angry or something. Yeah, let's... I, mean, I, I could not be speaking about one specific player or incident. No, of, of course not. Uh, just try to be more empathetic and... In life, it's yeah. a good way to be. Uh, also, if you feel uncomfortable about the NBA relaunching while, you know, with the COVID protocols that there are, and especially about the Raptors with the Terrence Davis situation hanging over them as it is, uh, I think you're perfectly justified in feeling that way. So don't uh, don't hold back on that. Um, Eric, that's one of the bigger questions heading into Tampa. We can refresh it quickly because the, the honest truth is we don't have answers yet. Um, the NBA and MBPA conduct an independent investigation into something like Terrence Davis's situation. He does have a court date at last update scheduled for December 11th. Um, maybe clarity comes from that. Sometimes these things get continuances or, or can drag on in court and the court case is not immediately related to the NBA's investigation. Uh, they can have findings and um, offer punishment that is extra to the, the legal process. So um, that kind of hangs over things, I guess, the only thing I'll ask is, like, are you surprised that Terrence Davis is expected to be in camp with them physically and not on administrative yeah, leave to I start mean, the season? I sort of thought he'd be placed on administrative leave. I don't have enough. I, I mean, the Raptors, the only thing that came close to this in my time covering the team was when they signed uh, James Johnson in 2014, and that was after his case... Uh, uh, was had already been dismissed in Memphis. So it, it was not at all an apples-to-apples apples thing. And it also happened before the Ray Rice video came out. So uh, I think it's fair to view that incident like a very much before and after uh, a, a key point in how professional sports deals with these, with domestic violence or, or any yeah. sexual and I, violence. I, just, I, I know um, you weren't, saying it for this reason i just for any listeners who aren't aware a case being dismissed is not the same as someone being found innocent if that's how this plays out there are a lot of reasons that a case like this might be dismissed or um the victim may choose not to testify yeah. or withdraw charges in, in the case of new york state um you know it's it's in the, it's on the police to file charges but um there are a lot of factors psychological and relationship that go into this kind of stuff yeah um so if that's what it happens uh just be careful how you how you frame it and how you word it because um a case being dismissed is not the same as someone being found innocent now it's not the same as someone being found guilty of course but um you have to keep these things in mind yeah and i would just say that 
whatever happens, uh, I would hope that the Raptors and the NBA and the Players Association do a full dig into it and really see, figure out what they what they can. I'm all for Terrence Davis having, you know, the right to uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for here? Um, Due process. Um, uh, To be clear, an employer doesn't necessarily owe him that, but uh, I I think that's basically the reason or or one of the reasons he was never going to be cut before his uh, Sunday guarantee date was because the league was investigating it. Uh, So, Whenever that happens, whenever the the case does come to its end, I hope the Raptors and the league fully assess the situation beyond what we just discussed. Whether you know he pleads to something, whether the case, the charges are dropped, whether he's found guilty of something, whatever happens, I hope that they fully investigate it and consider all the circumstances. And uh, I think it's probably premature. <sighs> It definitely is premature to talk about what they should do in whatever case, but I would just say, in general, I would find having him play for the organization and trading him for an asset to be more or less the same thing um, if he is found to have participated in any wrongdoing. Uh, From a moral perspective... I don't think it's quote unquote better to trade him. And even if you're getting a second round pick or whatever, nothing quote unquote substantial than, than it is to play him. I, I think if you're using him and again, I believe in due process, but if you're using him for on court productivity, despite anything that might've become clear in the investigation, I find it equally distasteful and that's just my position on those things this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game and more head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I'm not so naive as to think that sports teams don't operate as businesses and whether you consider that business to be in the business of wins or the business of profit and how those things relate. Um, you know, I'm not naive to that, but I do think as kind of a public trust, there's an obligation to your fan base and an obligation to the values that you espouse through things like black lives matter. And through, um, you know, in general, the Raptors have been, a, a a values organization or presented themselves as one. And I think you have an obligation to follow that up, whatever comes to the investigation. Um, beyond that, I would say that uh, a friend of the podcast, Katie Heindel wrote a great piece about this. She's written multiple things about this, but um, she had something come out Monday at her newsletter at basketballfeelings.substack.com. So I'd recommend you check it out. Very good newsletter um, in general. Uh, I don't yes. always read it, but when I do, I, uh, I enjoy it very much. 
I'm just I'm still upset that I she did the feelings draft and I was not allowed to sign an undrafted feelings free agent. I didn't have a pick in the feelings draft. I had my spreadsheet of the top undrafted feelings and I was not there's no such thing as a two way or an exhibit 10 for feelings apparently. <laughs> yeah, uh indecisiveness I guess could have been signed to a two way deal. I don't know if that went. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's a feeling. Anywho. Um I think it's a it's a state state of, maybe, state of but being. But it's yeah. close enough. Yeah. Um okay, speaking of two ways and exhibit 10s <laughs> and things like that, there is actual basketball uh to talk about as well. So the Raptors head into camp with 20 players on the camp roster. They have 15 main roster spots and two two way spots. As of right now, uh, 14 of the main roster spots look to be taken. Now, of those 14, Matt Thomas only has uh, about half his deal guaranteed. There's the Terrence Davis situation. And the Raptors have enough wiggle room beneath the tax that if they wanted to, say, cut a Stanley Johnson to keep one of the other guys, they have the flexibility to do that without worrying about the tax. The two two-way spots are spoken for, but it costs you nothing to cut a two-way. There's no cap hit. There's no luxury tax hit. Uh, you can churn through those guys as you see fit. So if a Paul Watson or Jalen Harris doesn't cut it in camp or, or Yuta Watanabe or uh, Alizé Johnson just you know blow everyone away, then you can make a change in those two-way spots. So in my eyes, there are really three spots up for grabs. We're going to just assume that the Davis situation will not be resolved by the end of camp. So that's kind of an ancillary conversation. Um, and we're going to assume that Matt Thomas holds onto his roster spot, both because of the guarantee and because he was pretty good last year and improved a lot in season. Um, I have a piece coming out Tuesday, handicapping these roster races. And, and we're going to talk about some of the bigger names. and who One of the great like Blake shortly. Murphy at the Athletic Traditions uh, started yes. with the Fred Van Vliet call, which... Uh, which is paid off for you too. Uh, I believe it goes back even further than that. At the athletic, well, wasn't that 2016? Oh, not at the athletic. Yeah, yeah, no, it might go back yes. further than that. But at the athletic, yes. that it was goes your back first as one. far as as I predicted. Julian Stone would get the roster spot over Chris Wright and Carlos Murray <laughs> in 2013-14. Uh, correct. Yeah, um, and then Greg Steemsma over Jordan Hamilton and Will Cherry. The correct. Anthony Bennett over Ronald Roberts, Axel Tupon, Shannon Scott, and Michael Kaiser. Correct, but maybe poorly thought out. I don't know. Yes. Roberts, Tupon, and Kaiser were all very big favorites of mine in the inaugural 905 season. Yeah, Tupon. Uh, he's in a, He's with Golden State? Am I making that? Yeah, yeah. on an ex- Exhibit 10, yeah. So he's been like a top European player the last couple of years, but the three-point shot has never come along, and that's his limiting factor. He can guard three spots, maybe even four spots. And uh, is a good transition player and a decent, like, tertiary. Like, he can attack a closeout and make a pass. But uh, the shot hasn't come along. It's hard to hard to stick as one of those guys. And then it was the Fred Van Vliet year, and we've proceeded from there. So, Eric, these camp deals, uh, the way they line up, we've got O'Shea Brissett, Henry Allenson, Paul Watson Jr., Alizé Johnson, Yuta Wananabe, and Jalen Harris competing I know you want to talk about some of the bigger stuff no, on this roster. I don't. But do you do you have a preference or a feel of how this battle might go? Sorry, I have the hiccups. Uh, Unbelievable. I, I don't have a preference, uh, but I would bet strongly. Well, I wouldn't bet. I'm not much of a gambler. But I would guess that for now the guys they've had in the system will remain in the system. So that would be Harris and Watson 
uh, and then in, in probably in the two ways, and then Brissett and Thomas probably on the main roster. I mean, Tom, uh, Thomas would have to be on the main roster, but I, I would guess Brissett would. O'Shea would actually have uh, to be okay. on the main roster too. Thank they you. guaranteed him too much money to. He's no longer two way eligible. Uh, so roster. I would guess he would be on the main roster too. I I think they like him. He's still pretty damn young. Uh, you know, versatile wings who can defend and rebound like he can are, you know, they're guys worth taking swings on. Uh, you know, they're certainly his play, limited play with the Raptors uh, last year showed he's at the very least a serviceable energy guy. Uh, still a lot of offensive question marks in his game. I, I don't mean to underscore those, but with the 15 spot, you can be doing a, a lot worse than, what is he, 21, 22? Um, a 22 year old with that sort of uh, defensive flexibility and, and just motor motor indeed I like, uh, like yeah. w- one of my favorite things last I mean that's probably overstating I really enjoyed just watching him sort of ping pong on the glass and keep loose balls alive in that uh, road win in Boston I believe it was uh, yeah, that, that, was yeah one... that was the Patrick McCaw game <laughs> with a big dose of O'Shea Brissett yeah I, like that was a really fun night and it really showed you know what what his potential was at that point and the idea is you put him in the development machine and and he brings that plus he starts bringing more to the table uh and i think at the end of the day they'll bet on their what they've been doing development wise and, and so that's that's sort of why i come at it from that perspective yeah. there's also a continuity argument there where like Obviously, you know, you're not expecting your 15th, 16th, 17th men to play big roles, but you have like a less than three week training camp to get everyone up to speed. And there's only so much video work you can do. You know, can can Johnson or Watanabe close the gap defensively in that shorter window? Like maybe they're both pretty good defenders. And, and Johnson is I mean, Johnson might profile as the best rebounder on the team if he were to make it. Um, but like that's a short window to knock off the incumbent right and i think i think i'm with you the odds that i that i give in this piece to spoil the piece it's out tuesday um bet on you know Brissett, thomas watson and harris um harris obviously hasn't had a ton of time in the system but they invested a second round pick in him um you know unless you're dewan hernandez the second round pick usually gets a little bit of chance i guess deandre daniels didn't either uh but so yeah i think those will be interesting battles i think you know, whatever form the G League takes, you have a pretty fun core there uh, with a couple of the names that won't make it and then potential assignees. Um, I guess that takes us to one of my biggest let me just Let me just say, I fully expect Paul Watson to do the Jamario Moon thing where he uh, beats out a proven guy, is on the roster, and then he's starting by the ninth game. Uh, yeah, totally it, now the thing it. about that this year is <laughs> is two ways get 50 games this year instead of 45 days. No, I know. So that's yeah. He doesn't have to get a main roster spot to yeah. do that. Um, at some point he might if he were healthy and that productive. Yeah. But uh, obviously that's – I'm making a bit of a joke and getting ahead of myself. But like that's like the prime – even more than Van Vliet, that's the prime example of like how these races can actually – impact your team a lot sooner than you might think in a pretty big way. Yeah, it only takes a couple things to happen um, to to change uh, how everything looks. And that's why, you know, on Monday I did my rotation breakdown and, and did a hypothetical 10 or 11 man rotation. And that's where I want to take us next, Eric, because I think 
you know, I think if I'm looking at the rotation here, I, I we know four of the starters, Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, and Pascal Siakam are going to start. Um, Norman Powell and Chris Boucher are going to play big roles. I would guess off the bench because starting either one of them means you have two traditional centers off the bench and no traditional center starting, um, which is fine in, in short windows and certain matchups, but not the most logical distribution of of your guys over 48 minutes um for the purposes of the example i started baines and had him getting a few more minutes than alex len and then a few minutes mixed in there with you know a boucher and an obi front court a siakam and an obi front court I, I think we're probably in agreement that those eight guys and matt thomas in a specialist role are probably somewhere in the mix right would you agree with yeah that? I, I mean the thing within i'm most curious about is how Nick Nurse sort of puts three guys into the role of like two and a quarter or two and a half spots up front. Uh, that will be interesting to me long term. Uh, I wonder if we might see some DNP CDs for one of Len or, uh, or Boucher. Uh, and, and who knows? I doubt it will be Baines, but, but maybe Baines. But uh, in terms of just manipulating the rotation that's what's interesting to me but i think more or less yeah what you said is is correct yeah um so that brings up the biggest question and this is you know for the purposes of the exercise i did the quote-unquote ninth man rule and we've obviously seen nick nurse run a tighter rotation and a shorter rotation than that and this could the ninth man role could be something that changes night to night like it did last year, bouncing around between Thomas and Davis and McCaw, depending on who was healthy and who was playing well. Um, so this is a little reductive to frame it like this, but I do think the Malachi Flynn question is the most interesting one in terms of you enter camp and you have eight guys penciled in. And you know that Malachi Flynn is probably a piece of the future. And you know that worst case scenario, you know, your player development system has done pretty well with this kind of guy and, you know, bringing them along while they're not getting minutes. So there's not really a wrong answer here. But does Flynn fit into uh, your rotation out of the gate? And, and it, does he look ready? Now, I've heard all caveats apply because you always hear these great things but i was told that he looked just kind of phenomenal at those impact workouts where fred van vliet and kyle lowry were photographed with him um now i'm not saying phenomenal like he's an nba all-star out of the gate but he looks really good by rookie standards and, and the time to work on his game during the hiatus did him well so it's conceivable and for the purposes of that rotation exercise i had flynn cracking my opening day rotation playing 12 minutes off the bench mostly alongside Kyle Lowry. I sheltered him in some of those um, because I, I think that's probably best for his development and, and it makes the most sense as um, having him as part of kind of those quote-unquote Lowry and bench lineups. Um, you know, I, I when I looked back over it, him having a couple minutes where he's the only point guard on the floor is probably a bit too soon maybe given that you have Lowry and Van Vliet around. Um, but I guess my question for you, Eric, is you know, Malachi Flynn being in the rotation would mean less minutes, fewer minutes for Matt Thomas. It would mean probably no Patrick McCaw in the rotation out of the gate. It assumes no Davis in the rotation, probably, unless this is going to be a 12 or 13 manner. Um, do you think it was proper or, or accurate for me to include Malachi Flynn in the rotation? And, and kind of where is your, what is your timeline expectation for Flynn? Because I know he's a guy you've dug in on a lot since the draft. Yeah, uh, 
you sort of stepped on my joke there, which which isn't your fault. I, I should have cut it, cut in, but I, I was wondering in your projections if you have what day during training camp or preseason that uh, Malachi Flynn just sort of takes a lead pipe to the knee of Patrick McCaw to wipe him off Nick Nurse's uh, yeah. uh, perspective, uh, take him out. What I'm curious, the bigger that, question... That was actually that is, mean because he actually had several knee surgeries last year. So yeah. let, let's say, you know, yeah. lower back, whatever. Okay. Now, the bigger question is, does does Nurse refer to McCaw as one of his starters again this <laughs> camp? And, and we, while we have, we have six starters... Uh, only four of them are going to start, plus a center. Uh, but... <laughs> um, look, I, I I don't know how Nick Nurse views Patrick McCaw now. Like, he was higher than we were all high. And I'm laughing about it because it's really not a huge, huge deal. But this is the stuff we talk about on this podcast. Uh, and he certainly really liked him uh, last year and was very high on him and would have liked to use him more. And the injuries and the surgeries uh, kept him from doing it. And I don't know how to view Terrence Davis right now. Like, I think if everything, if he didn't have those incidents, um, the incident hanging over him, we would not be talking about him not in the rotation. Like, that seems a bit silly to me. Uh, So there are just... It's a lot of uncertainty for me to speculate here. I would lean against Flynn starting the season in the rotation, but there's a lot of water uh, to go under the proverbial bridge uh, before then for me to change my mind. But it just seems like I, I would bet on McCaw being the guy right now. Yeah, that was a, a lot of people in the comments basically said, "Hey, like not a bad rotation, but you're uh you're pretty silly if you think that Flynn's going to start." I mean, look, I I want it like it's more interesting to us, which isn't to say anything negative about McCaw, but like new guys are fun. I think that's uh, one of the best parts of any new season is whether you've brought in free agents or draft picks, like you want to see what the guy looks like in a new jersey. And if it's a rookie, when you know some especially a first round pick, which the Raptors haven't had since 2017, like that goes double. So, I understand your instinct to put him in your rotation. I just think it's uh, probably less likely to happen than you do. Well, if it doesn't happen, I'm buying 2K to make it happen. <laughs> this would be the one thing that can get me back on video games is the rotation tools. I got told by a friend that my rot- my rotation shell um, was what he used for 2K to set up his Raptors rotation. So now I feel an, an even bigger responsibility with these things. I got told that and I got someone mad at me for pointing out that Chris Boucher is a really good um, buy low candidate in fantasy drafts because like he's not he wasn't ranked in the top 200 last year but was one of the top per 36 minute um, box score producers so if he gets a bigger role there, there's value there. Um, What's a, why are they uh, mad at you? Oh, because I gave it away and then I was like, yeah, that's part of the value of the athletic subscription Jeez. is that you get it. You know, you can. Uh, by the way, whenever hockey starts, make sure to check out Dom's fantasy projections. Uh, I've I've found historically hockey projections are much more useful than basketball projections, which I feel like. I mean, I'm not a big fan of basketball as a fantasy sport in general, but I feel like it's at least the most straightforward of like, okay, this is what this guy does. This is what his opportunity looks like. There's not a ton of projection that goes into it for me beyond like 
knowing how good a guy is and what his situation is. So. Yeah, I haven't played. I think I played fantasy basketball two years ago when you set up the athletic league. Um, yes, but that's the last time I played. I used to co-run a league, uh, which was fun, uh, but it was mostly fun so we could have an in-person draft. It's less fun uh, yeah. uh, when we can't. Anyway, digression. Yeah, the bulk of my fantasy basketball the last couple of years has just been Bruce Arthur asking me fantasy basketball questions. Hmm. So. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Turn my back on you, Eric. Sorry. That's fine. Um, so the Flynn thing, there are a couple other rotation questions, but I, I guess um, the Flynn thing takes us to a more uh, like a more philosophical or fan side question, and it's what is the thing you're most looking forward to in camp, Eric? It, whether it's a battle, whether it's how one guy looks, whether it's some bizarre wrinkle uh, of the Tampa situation, what's the thing you're most looking forward to over the next like 18 minutes where tr- where the preseason take place. yeah um i mean it's tough for i the preseason basically means nothing to me in that like we've seen the raptors multiple times just play nobody and like if you're lucky they'll have one game that more or less looks like their regular rotation but i think like Preseason slash early season the one thing i'm most curious about is what chris boucher looks like in a more stable role um, in, in the sense that he likely has a role to lose either, rather than a role to win right now. And as you hinted at, I want to see what that, uh, what that looks like because he is a permanent beast and he, you know, has a lot of things going for him that would indicate this guy would look like, look pretty good in a Kyle Lowry and bench type look. Uh, but he also has the questions you have in terms of, you know, being physical enough to battle centers, if that's what role he's in, uh, you know, whether he can space the floor enough or, or whether he's just has learned enough to know where his shots come from. If his shots, are, if he doesn't take a leap shooting, uh, he's just such an interesting you know, prospect is the wrong word player, uh, that, that I've been curious uh, to see what he looks like in a, you know, 15 to 20 minutes every night unless he's injured uh, role. And I think we're finally going to get that. And I want to see what that looks like as soon as possible. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. And I think, you know, I do think obviously the, the cap sheet is set up so that the whole fucking team is free agents at the end of the season except for fred and pascal and malachi why don't uh, they and, and build even, the whole plane out of unguaranteed second years yeah or, or player options <laughs> as it were with uh norman powell but i do think in terms of you know where they go from here like obviously all these guys have a lot in line if powell has a season like he has last year and he doesn't wilt in the playoffs you know he's in line for probably a big raise for what'll be his one big contract um lowry if he's fights off aging again, you know, maybe we're talking about him getting another short-term money deal instead of, uh, you know, dropping into that mid-level exception tier. Uh, OG has an extension coming up, but I think, you know, Chris Boucher, he's about to turn 28. This will be his first time really getting paid and his first time, I think, entering a camp with a clear path to consistent playing time. I think he has a lot on the line and, and like, yeah, it's a two-year deal, but none of that second year is guaranteed. It's mostly there as a, as a cap trick, or, you know, hey, if they strike out in free agency, why not bring him back? Because it'll be, you know, probably a step backward year at that point. Um, 
So I think he has a lot on the line. I think, you know, there's a question. You see a guy like Christian Wood, who's not necessarily a, a similar player type, but a similar trajectory type. Um, you know, it took him like four years of up and down through the G League and then getting in a situation with a team that could let him be him and take a lot of touches um, to, you know, really figure it out and, and then get paid. Uh, and Houston's an awesome fit for him. He's going to be a lot of fun there, I think. Um, but Boucher's in a similar situation where, you know, this $6.5 million, effectively a one-year deal, you know, if he's awesome in this, he could get... Uh, he could be looking at a mid-level kind of multi-year next year to take him into his 30s. And if he doesn't look very good this year, you know, or, or like it gets to the point where he's drawing DNPs again later in the year for matchup questions, you know, he probably drops back down to that minimum tier fifth big kind of thing. So there's a lot on the line for him, I think. Yeah, I mean, just look at what's happened with Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Not at all the same case, but, you know, he's still unsigned as of this Uh uh recording and he had a fine year but you know not something in which he could nail himself as a useful player in the playoffs for the Raptors and uh so that's the sort of thing that's on the line um it's a bit of a crude comparison but and I don't want to lose sight of how you know good of a story Boucher getting his uh this contract is like it's pretty amazing uh, in oh, in and awesome. of itself, but you know this year could be the difference, like you said, of a a pretty significant NBA career and sort of being remembering him as a guy that kind of almost made it. And you know, you play in the NBA; it's a huge accomplishment. But uh, yeah. Yeah. to to paraphrase Fred, you know, the the first thing he started thinking about when the deal got signed is the next Yeah, uh, and not everybody is as insane as that. But uh, that's sort of the way it's set up for people to think. And, uh, you know, these guys are really prideful people and they want to stay in the positions they carve out for themselves. And and for Chris Boucher to become a, you know, a a five-year, seven-year, eight-year veteran in the league, I'm sure would, like, it would be huge when he looks back on his career and, and to say nothing of the money. So, uh, that, I mean, he's just always been so interesting because of his upside and the things that he can do that just really not many people can on the basketball court. Uh, and I look forward to seeing that expanded over the, the course of a season. The other thing uh, I'm most looking forward to is Matt Thomas, I would say. Uh, he really showed signs in the bubble of uh, being able to work in a slightly more reliable role in a few more defenses. Their zones with him really succeeded. He wasn't as much of a liability one-on-one as it seemed like he might be. Uh, and I'm interested, especially if Davis remains in a precarious position, if he can grab hold of that ninth man eighth man type spot uh because he was really intriguing by the end of last year yeah that'd be a lot of fun and and i think you know nick nurse is a creative guy and he, he's kind of told the anecdote of him and nate bjorkgren sitting in the basement in iowa drawing up plays i would imagine what thomas showed uh you know that's one of the areas the offensive coaches and especially the in, inbound chris Finch, who's uh, well known for the offensive side of the ball uh, is, you know, trying some stuff out. And I joked in my rotation piece, you know, 
that, that that exercise is what I think could happen, not what I want to happen, which would be like one point guard just pinging passes to Matt Thomas coming off triple screens from Baines, Len, and OG. <laughs> um, because what defender could possibly get through that? Uh, anyway, there's a, there's a lot of fun. I, I think OG is probably the guy that I'm most looking forward to just to see, you know, he showed so many flashes pre hiatus and then again in the bubble in small samples. Uh, and I do think the way things stack up, he's going to be, get the opportunity to increase that usage a little bit. Um, so I'm excited to see, uh, what he looks like. Eric, let's get negative uh, for a second because that's, uh, where we thrive. Season is what is, shown, baby. Yeah, we, we talked about this in our written Raptors Reasonable List where we kind of tried to shape up the East and put the Raptors in that second tier where it's basically Milwaukee in the top tier and then everyone else kind of jockeying for, you know, who's second tier, who's tier 2B or whatever. Um, and everyone's going to feel differently about that. You know, I think I think I'm a little lower on the Nets than you are and a little higher on the 76ers than you are. But the 76ers, you know, fool me once, yeah. whatever. Uh in broad terms, though, you know, the Raptors are roughly a second-tier Eastern Conference team for the regular season. They have some obvious strengths that they're carrying over, including their their defensive identity. Um, you know, their bigs kind of fit what they like out of their centers defensively. There's a lot to be positive about. Um, there's also some areas to be concerned about, especially as it projects ahead to the playoffs. So I guess uh, where I want you to be negative, Eric, what is your biggest concern about the way the team is constructed uh, heading into the 2021 season? I mean, last we saw them, they were struggling to create one-on-one offense, um, offense in the half court, and they haven't done much to remedy that. And that's a huge thing in the playoffs. I am not particularly concerned about what they... Like, I think this team is going to be pretty good in the regular season. I I don't think they'll be as good as last year, um, but... Like this again, as you said, fool me once with the Sixers. The Raptors are the inverse of that. Is what you know they overperform their over under every year. So like, I could. It's easy for me to be to say they'll go like forty and thirty one or something, but then they'll probably win forty seven games or forty eight because it just seems like that's what they do. Um, but I don't. And like by design, they they know what they're doing and they know what their priorities are. But they're going to be relying a lot on Pascal Siakam's growth and maybe OG Ananobi's growth and uh, hoping that Van Vliet and Lowry can... I mean, Lowry was pretty awesome in the playoffs, but Van Vliet can get a... You know, can improve as a finisher, which I think is a dicey proposition. It's the same guys who are going to be asked in the biggest situations to make plays. And I know this is overly simplistic, but when you don't change your the way you score very much and scoring was the problem when you last saw them, I, I think it's easy to say, but also correct to say that that's the biggest concern. No? Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, and like Siakam's you know, like I'm, the big question here. Let's not, let's not sugarcoat yeah, I'm, it. I'm pretty optimistic about how he's... Yeah, I think he'll be better. Like, I... I, I, I you know, maybe he's not as good as he was in like the first two weeks of the season last year, but I think it would be silly to think, uh, you know, him being right where he was when we saw him in the bubble is uh, definitely a worst outcome and not a very likely outcome. I think you just have to hope that the real Siakam is somewhere closer to 
the guy we saw in November 2019 than the guy we saw in August 2020, right? And I, I would still bet that he is, but uh, you want to see it. Yeah, you sure do. I, I'm pretty optimistic about, you know, given what we know about his access to stuff in the hiatus and the way that that was resolved for this offseason, um, you know, also just the way he's bounced back from those stumbles in, in his past. Uh, yeah, his give-a-crap meter is really high, and uh, I have no doubt he sure took is. it very personally, uh, not even necessarily the direct things that were said about him, just the performance. He's not an idiot. He knows he wasn't good enough. And um, I I look forward to seeing how he responds. Me too. Um, all right. I guess one last one for you, Eric. Uh, were we to pick how the starting center battle plays out, uh, what do you think of that? Uh, I would bet strongly on Baines. Uh, I think he's almost in a many has very just a lot of similarities to Marc Gasol. Uh, obviously not the passer that Mark Gasol is, but in terms of being able to stretch it, uh, stretch the floor, uh, he shoots per minute more threes than either Ibaka or Gasol shot last year. So the spacing helps. Uh, and when you're talking about Pascal Siakam driving, that that's a, a big factor. Uh, just think about the spacing in that sort of lineup. If you've got you know, it's basically the same starting lineup as last year, except you have a more willing shooter instead of Marc Gasol. And, and that lineup was already very good. Now it was in part very good because Marc Gasol is one of the best defensive players and maybe, you know, top five defensive minds of, of his generation. And, and as solid as Bings is on that end, he's, he's not, you know, he's not as good as a likely Hall of Famer. Uh, but I think that just makes the most sense. I'd be surprised if it's anyone else. Uh, I guess I, I think Chris Boucher makes a lot more sense coming off the bench, so I would put Len second. But I, I'm I, I'm feeling pretty strongly it's going to be Baines. All right, uh, no disagreement here, uh, Eric. Any final kind of pre-camp thoughts here before I let you go? I, I know we we've got to kind of spread the topics out because. Uh, there is not a preseason game for 12 days, and we will need to do another one of these before then. So we got to save some of the storylines uh, in our back pocket. But uh, anything else to uh, to get off your chest? Uh, sure. Like I, you, you want to talk about training camps? One of my favorite times of the year, just personally. Um, it's it's fun to be. I mean, you know how the travel is in our league. Uh, it's fun, like it's one of the best parts of our jobs is getting to travel to new places, but also like getting to travel and staying in one place uh, can be really awesome. And you get to bond, you get some more time with the players in different settings and you get some more time with Raptors officials. You get some more time with our peers and the media. Um, and I'm going to miss that. Uh, I'm going to miss, you know, to whatever extent we're around the team. It's going to be weird to, be watching them for the most part from Toronto um, and I'm, I had today was like a what a three zoom call plus podcast day for me so I, I could picture a few more of those in my future and uh, I don't know how much the weather is playing on me but uh, uh, I, I'm not feeling wholly optimistic about that <laughs> happening for five months but uh but yeah, I, I, this is one of my favorite times of year. It sort of sucks that it'll be happening uh, in a very far place away in the continent. But, you know, the most important thing is we get 
the pandemic under control. So everybody, just as usual, be smart, stay safe, uh, and hopefully we can responsibly have the Raptors back in Toronto in front of as many people as possible sooner rather than later, although given my general predisposition to not trusting people, I am not holding my breath. Henry Ellenson in a second round pick for a case of the vaccine. Who says no? Who's, uh, who, who are we trading with in this scenario? I don't know. I have no idea and just felt like making inappropriate jokes. No, I'm with you, man. Um, obviously, no one cares about sports writer gripes in general. I think the Zoom stuff in the bubble went. Yeah, it's fine. You know, I mean, if you're if you're listening to this, you're obviously still with us. And hopefully you're reading our written stuff at The Athletic. It didn't keep us from doing our jobs entirely just got to shift it a little bit um yeah and that's the thing is if we can and this is about more than just the nba and sports media it's it's kind of been the idea this entire time is if we can all just suck it up now this whole thing in theory lasts a shorter amount of time um now obviously the the vaccine is kind of the you know if those come along that that's a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel but we still all need to be kind of doing what we can and pulling the right direction um in the spirit of that uh, obviously this is a little early, but I hope that as you prepare for, uh, the holidays ahead, if you celebrate, um, that you and your family are able to do so and manage, um, responsibly and in a, in a way that's good for, um, your own well-being. So, uh, thank you for listening and thank you for continuing to listen and read in the weeks ahead. Again, theathletic.com slash we the six. If you uh, do not currently have a subscription at the written side and you would like one, uh, what better time than now? Eric, we will talk again, uh, I'm guessing, early next week once we have a couple of uh, – once we have the full muscle watch <laughs> list in front of us. Chris Boucher added 15. You know, Paul Watson lost five, all, all that stuff. Um, we'll, we'll sort through that and see who gained and lost the most. Um, all that good stuff. And we won't have any preseason games to go from, but, you know, I'll have talked myself into Alizé Johnson or Yuko Abinabi. So uh, we can argue about them versus – someone else i don't know uh all right thank you so much for this man we'll uh we'll talk next week thanks blake see ya As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.